Ian, why do we make this podcast? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I just feel that like every time someone asks me um, anything, any sort of question, my answer is normally, why not make a podcast? <laughs> okay, think a little harder for me here. Well, I, I don't want to say it's because I like the sound of my own voice, because I'm not sure I do really. But maybe it's because you like the sound of my voice. Maybe I want you to appreciate the sonic qualities of my voice when you spend all the time editing this podcast. Mm, really? No, maybe not. Maybe it's because a podcast like the Urban Arenas podcast is a way of creating communities of like-minded people using a digital tool to create communities. Ah, there we go. Good answer. Really? Really? Why is it a good answer? Well, today's guest on our podcast is Kimo Kamara, a social entrepreneur and the founder of Omic, a new digital and physical platform dedicated to the social and professional advancement of the African diaspora community. Oh, nice. I want to hear more. Let's listen to him. Kimo, thank you so much for joining us on the Urban Arena podcast. I want to dive straight into your work and discuss it. So tell me a little bit about your social enterprise, Omic. Yeah, basically, Omic um, is uh, a community-centric platform that's uh, dedicated to making connection and collaboration simple for the African diaspora uh, professional and talent. Mm -hmm. And how, how did you first get the idea to start Omic? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a good question. The idea Omic came based on two things. One is my uh, personal experience as uh, um, a professional um, of African descent, you know, living in the West, uh, in US and Europe. Uh, my, pro my personal like experience of growing like, in that space, but also the second part and uh, the research that I've done um, understanding the diaspora capital, the African diaspora capital for socioeconomic development. And so it was basically from just two learning mm -hmm. that I uh, realized that's like this big gap, there's a, this need uh, within the community to leverage uh, the unique talent um, that we have and to make a bigger impact than we are actually making currently making. Um, and so that's where the idea come from. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, I know you're starting or you're launching your app this year. Is that the goal? Yeah, the goal is uh, to, by the end of this year to 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 launch the, the apps. Yes. Yeah, that's very exciting. So say someone goes on this app, knows nothing about Omic, how would they go through the process of, of, of using the platform? So when you go in there, you should be able to, like I say, it doesn't matter where you live. Right. If you're from New York or Amsterdam, you should be able to find other diaspora professional, like-minded professional like yourself anytime, anywhere. And you can find them by industry. You can find them by country of the origin, country of residence. We live in this black box where it's like extremely difficult to find other like-minded people, to connect with other like-minded people. So I want to remove that black box. Right. That's the first thing. When you go on a platform, the second thing you should be able to do is to find out well, who are the inspirational people out there? Who are the, what are the inspirational um, initiative or project that's happening, like the, conducted by the diaspora, like, right? You should be able to know that too. What is the landscape? What is happening? You should be able to know like, hey, I live in Amsterdam. What are the events organized by the African diaspora? I want to be part of this community. How do I do that? You should have a complete visibility of like all that. So like that is something that the apps 
that's the first step, like the first very thing that we want to solve first um, within the diaspora. So yeah, when you go in the app, that's what you should be able to like tap into. Got it. And, you know, just, I mean, there are a lot of other social platforms, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and especially, I mean, yes. I'm thinking about Facebook, you have a lot of these Facebook groups where people can connect over shared experiences or shared heritages. Yeah. How does Omic kind of compete with that type of model? That's a good, that's a good question. I'm on like a, so many Facebook group. Um, but the Facebook, like I was saying, right? Facebook it was in design. Facebook is designed for the global community, like everything. And so you can have like a, this small Facebook group here and there, really niche, you know, specific here and there. But still, it doesn't it doesn't solve um, the bigger problem. It's not the platform. It's just a feature on Facebook that's addressing bringing people together, right? So like the platform, Omega platform, is not only build to to facilitate connection that's the first step right so we wanted to build a platform that's dedicated um, to the social and professional advancement of the african diaspora community right and so the very first step is to make that connection simple like once we start seeing each other then we start communicating once we start communicating we engage with each other we start collaborating we start building trust and then we start leveraging our unique set of skill our talent right to self-empower ourselves uh, you know each other and then but also collectively individually and then to grow from there so that's the vision of omex so i want to build a platform that's really dedicated to that and so all the features are going to be putting in there designed to grow so it's not just a simple feature like yeah like in the face facebook has that feature but still it still have these challenges like when i was coming here i had to like raise my hand on all the facebook group like hey who live in um in Amsterdam to help me out, right? But like, I wish there was like a platform like Omec, where I can go and I'm already signed there before I go to Amsterdam. I know all the people, I made friends, I connected with the network. Um, if I'm looking for a job before I even get here, I wanna be able to like people to open the door for me and then I get the job before I get here based on my expertise and all that, right? And so that doesn't exist today. So that's what, that's what Omec is about. This platform is built to solve, to empower the community, solve our problem, which we understand better than anybody else. Absolutely, yeah. And I find it really interesting that you're kind of merging the the social aspect of a, of a platform and the professional aspect of a platform, right? Because I feel like in our in our day to day, you have LinkedIn for your professional network, and then you have your other social media for your other you know social connections. But what Omic is seemingly trying to do is blend these two things because obviously one yields to the other. Yeah, no, I said you got you got that right. And I and I know you started Omic last year in 2019. Um, obviously, this year has increased, I think, people's attention towards the African diaspora community. You know, through initiatives like Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Um, how has that kind of shaped your your future ideas around Omic? Yes, absolutely. I think it's been. I don't know if I should use the term roller coaster, but it's been like a really interesting moment for us, right? Because we've been in this space. Uh, for me, like most of my life, I've been like really advocating uh, for this idea. And then the past couple of years, since after my thesis, where, you know, like the idea of Omec came from, um, I've been like a huge believer. It's like the, the talent that we have in the community, the potential that we have, the resources we have in the community, we, if we tap into it, if we leverage it, if we harness it, we can do a meaningful, we can have a meaningful contribution to the society where we live in, but also like you know like a country back home and so I'm, I'm such a believer in that and then i'm trying to figure out 
what's the most effective way to do that? And so we've been doing this work, this advocacy, this like a pushing forward and this idea. And then now with the Black Lives Matter movement, it's like, it's like people are willing now, people are ready and people are like, are hearing, are seeing, and I want to learn more, right? And it's kind of putting us out there. It's like, yeah, this is the work we've been doing. This is what the space we are in that there's more and more people um, are willing to come in and support and help and then give like that, um, that hand. But also like, you know, partners I've been like, you know, trying to contact and then say like, hey, how do we, how do we um, play a role in this part? How do we work together as a partner? It's been like a really busy moment for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Busy and exciting, I bet. I yeah, bet. yeah, absolutely. Something that I think is a lot in the discourse here in the U.S. around Black Lives Matter and the African diaspora community is kind of this idea that the onus isn't on Black people to necessarily like change the situation, but on white people who are in positions of of power and who have created these systems of inequality um, to change the systems. So this is currently, I think, at the heart of a lot of these discussions of, you know, whose role is it to kind of rise up and now start start changing systems? How I see OMIC is you're trying to help each other do rise out and, and, and connect and do better for yourselves. And how do you how do you see this? Yeah. And so you, you're right. Um, bef- like, I feel like now everybody's like aware of like and we keep pushing in and we should be pushing in loudly um so say we live in the system that's now built is is that system that's working exactly why you know the way it was built like you know just against um the people of african descent if you look at the u.s like the police system and, and everything right it's like the system is working and it's just like the foundation is wrong right and so that's why like it's a you know systematic systemic um, issue and challenges. And so we need to look at like that bigger perspective. And then for OMEC, the reason we existed is like we understand this system. Like it's part of our life. Like we, I, I was born into this system and I understand the system now. And it's for me, it's like my whole thing is like, how do I become part of the solution? Right. Um, the reason I moved from Guinea to, to the United States because I was angry. Like I was angry because even living there, I see like the colonial system, the neo-colonial system, the country was like, wasn't going forward. I'm like, this is not, this is not right. Like I was smart. I was energized. I was like, I, I wanted to take on the world. So I got really angry of like the colonial um, power that we had. And then like the, everything that was gone. So I, that's why I went to the United States in the first place. Right. I go to the United States and I find out like, again, this is the system that's built there. So like my whole life, it's been living in this. And then this, so I just turned that anger into a positive energy, right? And it's like, I want to be part of the solution. Listen, individually, we all keep pushing and pushing and pushing and it's not changing. It's not moving a dial. And I'm like trying to figure out like if we collectively we can figure out and crack the code to come together because there is this desire. And that's one thing I found out. Like there's this desire from every single professional for African descent that want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I think the Black Lives Matter movement, I think, is an excellent example of, you know, people are powerful when they come together than when they do this, 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 these things alone. I mean, the, the power of networking to launch these movements has just been incredible. I mean, this is how people have learned about these protests. This is how people are signing petitions, donating to bail funds, do, doing a lot of other, other civic work. 
And without that type of, of, of mass um, networking, this none of this would have would have happened. So I absolutely think there's a need for, for this types of collaboration. I wanted to discuss your your research. So you you studied the role of the diaspora community in the socioeconomic development of the countries of origin of, of, of people. Would love for, for you to discuss your research a little bit further and then understand how that led you to OMEC. Yeah. Um, so I live in the U.S. for you know a few years, and then about five years ago, uh, my family and I moved to Germany for the for the job opportunity that my wife had there. And um, so when I got there, I actually decided I found this program about development economics and international study, which like aligned perfectly what I wanted to do. Um, so I I signed up for that. I, I got really in love to fall in love, like learning more about the diaspora, like the diaspora, and then the diaspora power and the diaspora impact. And I learned a lot about um, Asian diaspora, all the diaspora, right? The Irish diaspora, the, the Chinese diaspora, the impact, the Jewish diaspora. And as I reading more about like the African diaspora. Um, and so as I read more, I realized that the vast majority of like the, the uh, literature, I want to say probably like a vast, you know, like 80 or 90% of them was written by someone who was not like myself, right? And my tenants like, wait a minute, you're writing about me. You're writing about my life. I'm a, like a, <laughs> a professional for African diaspora. And you are writing about like all the capital. Do you have no idea how I got my social capital, how I got my financial capital, how I got my, uh, um, my human capital? Um, you have no idea. Like, so you can write fancy, whatever, but you have no idea. So, and I was like, wait a minute, like I, I should be writing this. I should be writing this. <laughs> so that's what I got like a really trigger. And uh, I was like, then I, I decided to do actually my thesis about the African diaspora, um, specifically the Guinean diaspora, but overall the African diaspora. And so uh, that led me to do a lot of interview of people from like Germany. That's what I used to live. Uh, I, I live at the time and uh, the US, you know, France, um, Netherlands, uh, Belgium, and I talked to more, very, like a lot, you know, over 200 people. Um, through survey and then interview and then like all this. And now since I've been here, it's been a way more than that. I'll probably say like close to a thousand people that I have talked to, right? Um, so I, I talked to all these people and then I started realizing like, wait a minute, like it doesn't matter if you live in Germany or if you live in the United States or you live in Paris. And it was the same thing that I kept saying. And so to summarize, the biggest thing that I kept hearing, it was two things, right? One was people kept saying this unequal access to opportunity. It doesn't matter even if they're professional, like it doesn't matter which career level they are, they feel like there was in not equal access to opportunity, right? And the second part was really like all these people wanted to be, they wanted to find other like-minded people like themselves, right? They wanted to like connect with other like-minded people that have the same energy, that have the same vision of them, like being, you know, changing this, this system, changing, you know, contributing something like a social justice, right? The, all these things, they want to be to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And so those are the two big things that, I, that came by. And then I was like, well, I have this result now. Then now, what do you do with it, right? Uh, and so like, what do you do with this? And because for me, I live the experience. I live in the U.S. and I built thousands of networks there. And I moved to Germany. I have to start from scratch. I have nobody. I didn't know anybody, right? And so I'm like, where are the, I'm a professional, like, experience in like all level from the US, I'm coming to Germany, like I want to find all the like-minded people so I don't have to start from scratch. Um, so that is the result of my, uh, 
for my for my research, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Real, really quick. So something I, I I think about a lot is you know just in sustainable cities, which is obviously the the topic of this podcast, and the transient nature of our society. So this idea of moving every couple years and starting of a community from scratch in a way, is very difficult to creating a just and sustainable community or just and sustainable cities. Um, you know, you're obviously trying to tackle the idea that when people move, they have to start from scratch. How do you make that process easier? But I want to push back a little and, and, and ask, what, what are your thoughts on kind of the, uh, our society or our way of life where you move for a job and you, you live a very transient life? And that makes it very difficult to create strong communities within cities. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a good question. And I think I think this is the way forward. I think it's only it's going to happen more and more um, where we be, become more, maybe if not our generation, but our kids um, will be, because like I have three kids and then they were all born in three different continents, one in Africa, one in Europe, one in the US, right? And so, like all they know, like they've been moving. Um, I was saying my 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 second son has, by the time he was three, he has already um, visited like eleven different countries. And and so, like this is what they know, and this is what's gonna be. These are the global, the future, like um, global workforce. So that's gonna happen more and more, right? And so, like, is that how do you build a system where? It becomes much easier when they travel from, you know, from here to, to, to anywhere around the world. So, like, there is a community, the sense of community that's built there. They can come in and become part of that society, that community, like, right away, right? And so, for me, that is uh, something that I experienced personally. And then I feel like building OMEC is going to be a solution to that. That's what I was saying, like, that, that this sense of visibility where you'll be able to find anyone anywhere around, you know, anytime, right? And then so to come back to your question, yes, like it should be that way. Like when I come to, before I come to Amsterdam, right? If there's a strong community that's built in Amsterdam here, I should be able to tap into that community and that make my integration into the society here really easy. And then I don't have to waste a lot of my energy and um, to build a community myself. The community is already here. So the community can start tapping into the energy or whatever um, whatever resources that I can bring to the table, right? And so I don't have to, like, it, it, so it's more efficient that way. It's more efficient. And I think even beyond, like, oh, yeah, Omec is trying to do this. But, like, the, the reason I like, like, the idea of Omec being part of this system is, like, yeah, like, if someone come, like, uh, now, like, a company is going to start recruiting, co- you know, people from, from Africa or from Asia, from everywhere. And so when people come in and we start building as a, as a city, right, um, start allowing these kind of communities like I can can receive people that come in with our community so we can really start tabbing into like the different like the thing the new thing that they can bring in so they don't have to spend a lot of the time and then oh whether they like the community or whether they like the city or whatever they like no there's like a structure um put in place to like really welcome and if it make people feel home um and so like my per- I, I give you my personal example yeah, I live. I live in Guinea. I was born there, right? I moved to to the U.S. and but I, even though I was working in the U.S., I I always been part of the community building, community organizing, right? And so being part of that community almost like give you this sense of belonging, this family, right? You find, and so it, you don't feel completely disconnected, 
right? And I was having this conversation with one of my friends. They were asking me, like, hey, do you miss um, living in the U.S. and living in Germany or living in, in Guinea? I was like, I don't know if I feel bad about it, but like, I don't miss it that much. I don't feel extremely. The reason for that, I was thinking about why not, is because when I, when I was in Germany, by the time I left there, I built a community. Part of that community where like there was friends like I was really close that I could call, like I could, you know, hang out to and I feel like really close. So it felt this sense of like family, this sense of home, right? This sense of home. And so when I came here with Omec, I've been able also to to build this community that's created this, this sense of belonging, this sense of home. And so I don't I don't feel like, okay, I when I was in Germany, I did my part. I contributed to the you know to the society, then I was an asset to like, you know, to the society. And then that community is going on. And I come here and I build another community and they work on me. And it's kind of feel like that sense of like, you know, just a home. And I think that's what it's about. Like that is what it's like, like a beautiful city need to have a space, a community when people come in, need to feel home, right? And I think that's what's missing in like the bigger structure because as urban cities like a growth, the society where the structure is built is about individual, right? It's about individual. It's about individual. You come for work, you get off work, and you don't even connect it with the people you work with, right? And then you get on your like a busy life and a train or whatever, and then come home. You close this. You live in this like square. You know, you open the door, you get in there, and it's it's like completely disconnected, right? Mm-hmm. And so you start. What do you do? Like you start thinking about. Well, I'm, I moved from Germany, then I left all my family behind me. What if you have the the society to build where you have the community here, where you can be part of it, right? So, yeah, that's my take on it. Well, and I think that's technology's, I guess, biggest biggest potential, I think, in ways, but also biggest trap. So it's, you know, how do you create technology that connects people and doesn't further isolate people? Because I think technology or technological innovation can go both ways. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we leverage in technology to make as a tool, right? Um, it's a mean to an end, not the end itself. For us, that's it. We're leveraging technology as a mean to, to, to building sustainable community, like building a place where we can you know, empower each other and empower um, collectively and uh, individually. So yeah, we just want to tap into the technology to make that, but it's not the, the end goal. It's just a mean that we want to use to facilitate that. And yeah, so yeah. We want to be able to like find each other. We want to be able to come together. That's why like our business model actually is like we have the digital space, right? So the digital space make a, uh, a professional digital platform that we're going to like use and that will make it easier for us to see each other, right? And then like a mentorship, like everything that's going to go there that, can, that we can do digital, but we also have a physical space. We want to mm-hmm. have a physical space where we can, you know, that will foster collaboration and trust. That's a community 2.0 where we can go and work together, where we can go on and like programming, where we can go on and do it anything. You want to find all the like-minded people, that's where you go. Um, and because that sense of like a finding. So when I use the technology, we meet offline and we come, you know, we meet online and we come offline. And then so like this goes hand to hand. And so technology is like just allowing us to come together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. not do it the way around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kimo, you're you're you know you have a lot of roles: researcher, community builder, entrepreneur, and the world of entrepreneurship is is extremely um, homogeneous. It's very white. It's very male driven. What is it like being a black entrepreneur in Amsterdam? 
and what are some of the challenges that you see? Uh, that's a <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I'm, I, I don't know. I think it's hard um, being a black entrepreneur. Um, being an entrepreneur, period. Being an entrepreneur is is not it's not easy. Um, and it doesn't matter how detailed you this until you jump into it. You won't know. You won't understand it. You can read it. You can you can watch YouTube. You can do all this until you jump into it. You will not understand. Period. Like, yeah, it's not it's not easy being being an entrepreneur. And in addition to that, being an entrepreneur, a black entrepreneur, or like an entrepreneur from African descent, um, kind of comes with the the second layer to it. You know, the truth is, as an entrepreneur. You can have this beautiful idea. You can put the tanks together, and you can keep working hard. Like sometimes, it's not it's not about your talent. It's not about like the hard work you do. Like that's all foundational, right? And sometimes the success depends of like one person or someone coming and opening that door for you. And sometimes you just need that one person that trusts you, and then say like, you know what? Um, I'm gonna put my money. And I'm going to put my energy on. You know, I'm going to use my network and I'm going to support you to open that door for you. And many people don't get that chance. And I think that that's the part as uh, people of African descent overall in general, like sometimes we feel like that lack of you know access to opportunity is not the same. Like it's statistically it's been proven. It's a fact. Right. And then but you don't you don't sit around and then be like, oh, this is the thing that I won't do it. We. If that door is not open, I'll create a different door. Hell, I, why do I have to go through that door? I'll create my own door. Or why do I even have to go in that room? You know, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> and that, that's been my, my life. That's, that's, that's the way I'm just doing it. Like Nike said, just do it. Like, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's the spirit. I feel like that is that's the the byline of an entrepreneur. What is the future of, of a future of Omex? You know, if you could paint a picture ten years from now, what would that look like? Oh, that's a good question. Right, um, six months from now, by the end of uh, you know by December, what do we want to do? Is um, I wanted to like still thinking about the Netherlands, but like we're growing now that like, globally is uh, create awareness. Awareness. There's a lot of people that don't know about like Omeg, and so within the community, want to create awareness. We want to grow um, to at least a couple of hundred thousand, if that's possible. So that's the that's the six months goal, and so 2021 is to like the digital apps is ready, and the physical space um, should be ready in 2021. Um, at least in in Amsterdam, and uh, that's uh, that's the idea. And then just like started expanding that. So three years from now, if you're part of an Omec team, uh, uh, community or Omec group, right network, one individually want to like help you to grow. Collectively, whatever group you need, want to collective grow. So individual grow, collective grow, right? And then the third vision of that, once we create like this group. And it's like, how do we go externally and then really try to like bring the change that we want to see? Yeah. So that's the vision. <laughs> we'll listen back to this podcast five years from now and, 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 and see a lot of these hopes and dreams come into fruition. On that, on that inspirational note, thank you for being on the Urban Arena podcast. And I look forward to tracking Omec and your, your future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was a pleasure. 
So, Ian, now that I am the interviewer and you're the listener, um, would love to hear your thoughts on the conversation. What did you like and, and what interested you? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed listening to the conversation. I thought it was um, it's, it's always really interesting when you hear people who've who've lived in many different countries um, and who have tried to find a common thread in their lives from living in different places and then try to do something with that um, positive in the world, like to try and make some change from that. Because I think like myself and also you, we've lived in different places. And then so, of course, you're constantly forced to question things about identity and, and, and who we are and which communities we belong to and which we don't. Um, so I think uh, it's, it's really interesting how Chemo has, has managed to, I guess, take that experience and, and do something with it, or he's now start to have this idea to do something with it. And and especially when I'm thinking, okay, and, and you touched on it in a couple of your questions, I think it's really interesting in terms of the relationship between using a digital platform that he's that he's trying to create um and locally rooted communities and also some sort of cosmopolitan sort of ideal which is going on there as well and how this relates to um sustainability and i think that's a, that's a question right because somehow by allowing sort of increasing movement if you were if you like in, a, in an easier way for in this sense for, for for people from the african diaspora in a way it's sort of goes against sustainability mm. but then at the same time um we also know that it's easier for white people especially white men uh like myself to move in cosmopolitans in a cosmopolitan way you know as in like we sort of accepted that we can be in different places you know and mm. so um there's a, there's a there's an interesting tension i think uh in terms of like sustainable and just cities in a sense that okay then we should be saying okay actually we should travel less we should travel less but who have been the people who've been doing all the traveling of the last 50 60 years that are destroying our planet for the most part it has not been um the african diaspora right um or at least if they have then it's been not in the way that chemo is talking about it in sort of the professional class sort of way it's been a labor migrant of um of a very different type so i think it's interesting that that he's trying to develop a platform to basically enable the best talents of uh, people from africa in different uh, in different continents um and we can't legitimately say hey hey slow down stop 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 you should all be staying at home now because that just sounds like completely hypocritical when we think about sort of the historical uh, and social um uh, context within which we've been living in the last decades mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well and i think it's interesting that this platform is in a way kind of the necessary ingredient to tackle just and sustainability oriented challenges in cities, right? I mean, we've seen this with Black Lives Matter specifically, that when you're working on your own, it is very difficult to create any type of social change. But when you are able to gather people and work together and create a community of fellow social change makers, that's when you can start tackling these things. So I think what he's doing is creating this platform so that he can address these challenges. Um, mm -hmm. with people who have shared experiences and who who equally understand where he's coming from. Yeah, and, and especially as, um, let's be honest, like any sort of, uh, most of the environmental movements in Europe and also in America are really white, you know? Mm. Uh, let's talk mostly about Europe because that's what we're dealing with in the, in the podcast. Um, but yeah, they, 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 they feel very white. Um, uh, and also quite middle class, and we've talked about this before. And mm -hmm. so, I, and so, basically, you need 
um, we need to be thinking not only about ways of saying, hey, do you want to join our community of environmentalists or whatever? But like actually saying, okay, there are different communities forming around different ideas and how can then we work together with them moving forward? So yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you're totally right. We can't, we can't do anything like as individuals. We basically need to think about, yeah, community, community formation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What I think is so interesting about Omec is its ability or desire to not only create an online community, but then also, you know, put those uh, that online community into action in person, having people congregate in, in, in different community centers, creating events, organizing things where people meet in person, because I think something that I think about a lot is how technology even though it's trying to create communities in, in urban cities, which again is harder than if you live in a village with 200 people, how technology can contribute to that and not just make us further siloed in these big cities that we live in. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually also thinking about ownership of of the digital platforms that we use. He wants to create something which is for a certain community. And the really big ones now we know there's always these questions of ownership and who's allowed to use them and who isn't allowed to use them. Mm. It's not only in the sense that you know Twitter puts warnings up about Donald Trump's hate speech and Donald Trump gets upset. I don't know if you saw the news in the last couple of days because there's a there's a tensions between India and China uh, over the border, and uh, so India just banned a whole host of Chinese apps. I think the folks most famous of which is TikTok. Mm. which is a lot in India, especially in smaller towns and cities. And they just banned it overnight. TikTok is no longer there in India. Wow. So if we think, yeah, exactly. So we think, you know, and it's not it's not unimaginable that, you know, one of these big tech companies um, becomes very popular and then also becomes exclusionary in, 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 mm -hmm. in a, um, towards certain groups of people. So it's also about like ownership over the digital platforms we use to communicate. Like um, if you know, God forbid, one of the really popular um, social media platforms gets taken over by racists or nutters or, you know, whatever, whatever else, and they, they can start using it in an exclusionary way. So it's also, I think, also very important that people start to build their own digital platforms all the time as well, because we can't be reliant on the benevolence of Facebook and Twitter um, to basically always allow everybody to do what they want to do. And um, both on a smaller, I guess, uh, both on a, on a, I say less political level, um, like what Kimo is doing, but also like, but certainly when it comes to political organizing, we certainly can't rely always, uh, always on the big platforms, which is why it's slightly ironic, I guess, that when I'm going to ask you to, which I am going to ask you to now to tell people how to get in touch, you're going to list off a whole ream of massive, <laughs> <laughs> massive tech companies <laughs> who probably don't care what I owe about creating sustainable and just cities. <laughs> Yes. Well, even though I wish we could maybe advertise on smaller platforms, um, you can reach us on the big three, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle arena underscore urban. And we are on Facebook. This is a new addition. Our Facebook page is urbanarenas.project. So you can check us out there as well. All righty. I hope uh, everyone enjoyed the conversation today. Um, you will have noticed, of course, that Kate made the interview today and not me. And this is something we're going to play with more and more um, moving forward. So um, I hope you enjoy that and I hope you get in touch and I hope everyone's going to stay safe. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
This podcast is part of the three-year project Urbana, Urban Arenas for Sustainable and Just Cities. It was funded by the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Programme.